0: What's up? What's up? What's up? Hey, bitches. Welcome back to the podcast. It's your girl, Allie, the host of the Be That Bitch podcast, where we talk all about being that bitch, whatever that looks like for you. I am so excited to be back here another week with y'all, two weeks in a row, here to toot my own horn, toot, toot, motherfucker. I'm just kidding, but seriously. I am so excited to be back in a regularly scheduled programming after a couple week hiatus. Ev is still in school. And honestly, I feel like a whole new bit brand new bitch like brand new bitch who this Um, because there is nothing that just makes you feel rejuvenated than getting a few hours four days a week all to yourself as a mom like you never realize how much time you don't have to yourself until you get a few hours and you're like holy fucking shit like I am like excited to go pick up my kids I'm excited to go outside and play I'm excited to talk to them and to be around them and all this stuff I'm not just like spending all day with them and then drained by the end of the day and just all the things so I'm just I'm feeling really good and I know a lot of y'all are like okay, rub it in. But I swear that's not what I'm trying to do. I think sometimes moms just need to feel validated in their feelings. Like, it's okay to feel the way you feel, whether you're feeling overwhelmed by motherhood, while you're feeling excited about motherhood, while you're whether you're feeling, you know, just stressed out, all of the things, right? Motherhood is a fucking roller coaster. A very bumpy roller coaster where sometimes you're going off a hill and you don't know where you're going to land. But... It is nice sometimes just to get those few days a week of reprieval. Like, no, I just can't believe how much three hours can just completely transform me as a person. Um, so anyways, that's my babble on about that. She still is struggling with with peep crying when I drop her off, but I know that this is what's best for her. I know it's going to get easier with time and then it's going to be summer. So it is what it is. But anyways, I am really excited for this episode this week on the podcast because we have a guest. She is a nutrition mentor, a nutrition coach um, certified, and she handles a lot with her clients on overeating and obsessive eating and dealing with the mindset around food and so we talk a lot about her own journey with disordered eating but also we talk a lot about how to prevent overeating, how to deal with if you have overate, how to rectify binge eating and all of that stuff. So I'm really excited for y'all to be able to listen to this episode. I feel like a lot of us struggle with nutrition. I mean I'm sure if you're like me you don't struggle with working out. You can move your body easily, like that's not the hard part, it's what you put in your mouth. And we all know, right, movement, the workout is only like 25% of the results. Most of it comes from where you eat, what you eat and how much you eat, Basically, it all comes from all the other hours other than that 30 minutes that you do that workout. So I'm really excited for her to get to share her wisdom with y'all. But before we get into that, I always like to share my top spicy book read of the week and then we can get into the personal development. Y'all, I can't believe that it has been just at a year since I purchased a Kindle, but um, purchasing a Kindle was a very impulsive decision but you know we love impulsive decisions. Uh, It was back when like the fucking people were ranting and raving about how amazing Colleen Hoover was and something y'all need to know about me is I get FOMO like nobody's business like I feel like I'm missing out and I don't want to miss out so I literally bought a Kindle because I knew I wouldn't read paperbacks literally bought a Kindle because I was like I need to see what the hype is about set a reminder in my phone to cancel Soul, kindle unlimited when the like free trial ran out three months later because I was like sure as fuck not gonna stick with this I'd never read y'all I literally didn't pick up my first book until I was 24 years old and then it was a personal development non-fiction book because I needed to read it for my job like I did not read never read growing up I literally avoided reading at all cost in school when you had those like class books that you got I I didn't read them I watched the movie or I just YOLO'd it and figured it the fuck out like I just I was never a reader I didn't read Twilight growing up I didn't read The Hunger Games I watched the movie and thought that was good enough and so Clearly, I didn't have big high hopes for reading, but now we are officially a year and some change since starting reading romance. I've read 60 weeks in a row, so every single week, um, a crazy amount of days in a row, and I think I've read close to like 260 books. Insane, insane. It's become my entire personality. But y'all, I'm gonna say, Reading has helped me in so many different areas of my life. Like it's helped me discover more about myself, get more in tune with my sexuality. It's helped me get like advanced in my relationship with my husband, right? Like the redundance and it's really helped like revive and add that spark into our marriage. It's instilled more confidence in me and my body and it's made me be more prideful in being a woman. It's just... It's it's done so much for me. It's given me joy and happiness and sorrow and tears, all the emotions. But it's given me an escape outside of being a mom and a wife and a business owner. And I, everybody deserves to have something like that. Whether it's reading or running or walking or knitting or... Fucking, I don't know, whatever other thing is your vice, except drugs. Don't do drugs. Drugs are stupid. But like, if it brings you joy, if it brings you happiness, don't let anybody tell you your thing is wrong. Do you know how many people give me shit for the books I read, the things I talk about? Do you know how much I give a fuck? Absolutely none. Because it brings me joy and I'm not going to apologize for what brings me joy. Sure. Whatever. I like to read about sex. It's fine. We're fine. Everything's fine. Like, can we all just be adults and... (laughs) There's a plot, too. It's not just reading porn. Has anybody watched a terrible porn movie where there's absolutely no plot and it's terrible acting? Like, no, these books aren't that. So, sorry. That just, wow. I just really was trying to lane the plane there, and the plane wasn't even anywhere near the ground. So that happened. Anyways, top reads of the week. Honestly, I have been reading the Hades, um, series it's a reverse harem dark romance series following Hades and her three men Cass Zeb and Lucas and I'm not a fan y'all I have wanted to DNF this so many fucking times it's not even funny I but I can't because Tate James is the queen of adding plots in there that you don't feel okay with like breaking up with, even if you're not in love with the book. Like, I really feel like it did not need to be a four book series. It really could have done with a duet with two 500 page books and been perfectly fine. There was a lot of fluff, a lot of unnecessary information. Um, And then the last book, I switched completely to audio because I wasn't about to read 700 plus pages of that shit again. Um, But there was good twist. There was good turns, great plot. So if you're like a hoe for a good plot, then this series could be for you now. I also listened to um, a box set. So a box set is something you can get from like Audible where it it comes with four, three, two, however many books for the price of one credit. So this was The Duets by Megan Quinn, and it included The Upside of Falling, The Downside of Love, and then it also included The Left Side of Perfect and The Right Side of Forever, y'all. Please just use your Audible credit. I know credits, you get one and that's it. I personally don't use credits, but I know how much you cherish them. I bought this whenever Audible was having a huge sale and it took me six months to listen to it and I have no fucking idea why. It was literal perfection. It will tear your soul out. It leaves you suspenseful. It leaves you guessing. It gave me so much fucking anxiety. It's a military romance type books. Um, and they're just angsty and emotional and roller coaster. And oh my God, I love them so freaking much. And you will get complete closure after the fourth, by the end of the fourth book. But let me tell you the first three books will never give you closure, even if the first two books are about a different couple than the second two books. Like you don't get closure until the fourth book, but, ah, uh, it's so freaking good. Y'all so good. Listen to them. I swear they're not super spicy. They're only like a level one, but I rated them all nine to 10 out of tens because that was how good they were. Um, but other than that, I haven't really read much, since last talking, except that series, because it's consumed me and I'm glad it's over. I just picked up a book called Dad Bod. Yes, we love it. Um, Me and some of the girls in the Bad Bitch Book Club, which is our podcast book club. If you're interested, I do have information in the show notes. It's five bucks a month and literally the best thing in the entire world. We have authors come on. It's so much fun. But anyways, we were talking about how we wanted books with representation of more bodies, right? Like we've had books with curvy female main characters, but I haven't read any books with like, a guy with a dad bod, right? Not with a chiseled eight pack or six pack or whatever. And I was like, I really want to fucking read a book about a dad bod. And then I found this one or Trista, one of the girls in the group found it. And she said, Hey, look, we found, I found one. So I applied for the advanced reader copy. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I got to read this. And I got it. And I'm reading it right now. And y'all let me tell you, it's like the perfect mix of spice and plot and banter and everything for a novella. It's only 150 pages and can be read in like an hour and a half. It's so good. It's about two single parents who meet at a parent-teacher conference. Their kids play t-ball together, and they're best friends, and their relationship just spirals out of that. And not only does he have a dad bod, y'all, but he is also a dom. He is a daddy dom, so he likes to be called daddy. And it doesn't creep me out. I usually don't like the daddy kink. It doesn't really creep me out because they're so close in age. I really don't like the daddy kink when somebody's like 35 years older than her calling, like that, that fucks with my head. But like then it didn't mess with my head, but he, he's a daddy dom, he likes the pleasure. It's just, ah, oh, it's so amazing, so good. So highly, highly recommend that also. But anyways, okay. That's all for my spicy book, Rex. Let's go ahead and get into the podcast episode with Reagan, the nutrition coach. Hi, y'all. I am so freaking excited. So we have one of my really good friends on the podcast this week. We met through a company that we branded, like we did like affiliate brand, whatever clothing. Um, there's probably a technical term that I don't know. And then we followed each other and we just, we met in Texas and got really close together. And so I'm excited for you guys to be here. Ryan. welcome to the podcast. Hello.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Oh my gosh. Thank you. I am, we've been wanting to do this for so freaking long <laughs> Honestly. And it's, it's been like Instagram tag, like not yes. phone tag, but Instagram tag. Where yes. oh, this doesn't work, and then this doesn't work, or oh, it works here. Oh wait, never mind, it doesn't work here. And so she is a trooper. She woke up a little nasally, so just yeah, excuse, excuse that. that. I still think you sound beautiful. So oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but we made it work, and I'm so freaking excited. Tell them a little bit about what you do and who you are before we get into your story.
1: Yeah. Well, I think it was probably, was it 2019 when we officially met? I think it was 2019, which is crazy that that's four years ago almost. I think
0: it was 2020. Wasn't it right after COVID?
1: Maybe. Okay. So three years, which is crazy. But I mean, ever since we followed each other since then, it's been so cool one just to see your progress and everything that you're doing. So Love you, Justin. Um, you also, you're a runner <laughs> yeah.
0: in everything now. Like I didn't even know that about you, which we're gonna have to get into that. Yeah, we'll talk about, so talk about that. But yeah. So yeah. what so you're a nutrition coach? You are you also yes. a personal trainer? What do you do?
1: Yeah. So initially got into it um more so personal training, doing some group training and got my uh, nutrition coaching sports nutrition license. So I am a nutrition coach. Um, I focus primarily on nutrition, wellness, kind of the full circle quality of life, honestly, with one-on-one clients right now. So it's, it's seriously the best job ever, just getting to work with women. And then I do have a few men clients, um, that I get to work with and just having such a small part on changing the trajectory of their life and teaching them about nutrition and kind of tying in all the pieces together.
0: Literally. The best. I mean, I can just tell how passionate you are about nutrition. And I'm sure it goes with she's gonna break down her whole story and kind of talk about what's gotten her to this point because knowing knowing Rangan and her story, I know like how close nutrition is to your heart. Um, mm-hmm. but I'm sure that's able to uh, I just love that so much. So tell us a little bit about who you are and what's gotten you to this point, a little bit of yeah. your, your story, because I know it's such a beautiful one.
1: Yes. So it's, it's always a hard question when someone says, okay, so who are you? Like, what do you do? And it, it's like, you've always, let's start about what led you to nutrition. Like, was yeah. there a
0: point in your life where you really struggled with it, where maybe you had unhealthy relationships and how you've worked to this point where you have a great relationship with food and now you're helping your clients also have that great relationship with food.
1: Yeah. So I would say primarily always grew up health, fitness, played softball, basketball, growing up softball throughout college. That's kind of when my story starts is in college. Cause I think back to high school and I'm like, I've always, you know, was fairly thin ish. Didn't ever worry about body image. Maybe it's cause I wasn't dating. Who knows? Um, I I think that kind of sometimes can affect some things, but men just mess a lot of things up for us. Yes, (laughs) truly. Um, But college, played softball. And for me, like kind of getting back to that first question, who am I? Always growing up, it was, I'm Reagan, I play softball. And my whole identity was found inside of that. And even through college, I guess my sophomore year of college, my identity kind of shifted a little bit. Started dating a guy pretty seriously. Um, My identity then became what I look like. Mm -hmm. Like, my workouts, my nutrition, how skinny i could be because you know, the smaller i am, the more that he would love me and want me. all the all the lies that we tell ourselves, right? so that's kind of when my i guess unhealthy obsession with overtraining, over exercising and really um creating this scarcity restrictive mindset around food started coming into play. And throughout college really struggled with, and I'm sure so many people can relate to this, you know, um, an eating disorder doesn't have a size. I mean, you can be 3% body fat, you can be 40% body fat and have an eating disorder. And I think we all kind of have disordered thoughts around food subconsciously. Um, I definitely see like working with women, but with my disordered eating and eating disorder in college, it was very much so how little can I eat throughout the day? Um, you know, my, my meals and taking into consideration, I mean, I was working out two hours in the gym training. I would go on a run every day. And then also I was spending two, three hours at softball practice. So super active. Um, but throughout the day, I mean, breakfast was like some egg whites on rice cakes, maybe an apple and yogurt for lunch, just very minimal throughout the day. And then when the evening would come around, it would be, you know, one bowl of cereal would turn to truly like seven or eight bowls of cereal, Um, a a little bowl of ice cream would turn to me picking out and eating the whole like, carton of ice cream. And it was just this cycle of restriction, which triggered a binge. And then I would feel bad the next day. And then I'd be like, okay, I don't need to eat as much because I consumed 3,000 calories before bed. And then that would trigger a binge for the next night. And like it was just this awful cycle. And that led into me just speaking so negatively to myself and, um, you know, the, the way, the way that I treated people was different. The way that I treated myself was different and just constantly, I mean, I couldn't, it sounds so silly to say this now, but I couldn't walk by a mirror without like lifting my shirt up to see how flat my stomach was. Mm-hmm. Um, and just constantly body checking progress pictures, like unhealthy amount of times daily. I don't
0: realize that like, The way we feel about ourselves can be projected onto how we feel about others, too, and how we treat others and how we perceive others. Because if we're feeling negatively within ourselves, it's almost like we carry this dark cloud over our head. And anytime we go into the vicinity of anybody else, we just bring this cloud and we want them to have a little bit of that darkness too, because it's almost just like a unhealthy coping mechanism. Like if I'm feeling like shit about myself, well, you know, I don't know how to really treat people great right now because I'm just in this negative headspace. And it's really freaking hard to pull ourselves out of that. And then just the cycle of the cycle of restriction and binging. And that's something I tell my clients all the time. I'm like, the more you restrict, the more that you, you know, cut your calories lower, 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 the more that it's going to trigger a binge because your body is literally going to be telling you, dude, I'm starving. Like I am hungry. And then you lose all the cues. So how did you go from super unhealthy, super, you know, binge and restrict and, all of that craziness in college to now somebody who has a really great relationship with food, like, and is, is thriving with their nutrition.
1: Yeah. So I, so I started my Instagram, I had two separate, I had like a personal and then a fitness Instagram. And I kind of started my fitness, which is my one now, um, just sharing recipes. And then eventually I started talking about my binge eating and how I struggled with it. And that, because we all want to feel connected to, we all want to feel related to. And I think that's when I started building that connection with people on Instagram. And then I got to pour into people and kind of help them through their, you know, disordered eating. And I started seeing all these patterns that other people would tell me that I started to recognize in myself. So I'll, I'll kind of tell you a little bit more of the mindset shifts and some things that I did to, get to where i am now and not that my relationship with food is perfect um because i still have days that i struggle and cuz we're human right yeah, like sure. food is emotional sometimes sometimes we do and i mean you're trying to things. overwrite
0: like that's one thing i tell everybody i'm like you're trying we're trying to overwrite 10 15 20 years yeah. of terrible relationship with food like it's going to take longer than yeah. 5 10 15 days Weeks, months, like it's gonna take a long freaking time. And there's going to be relapses and there's gonna be hard days. It's success yes. is not the opposite of struggle. It's pushing through it in spite of the struggle. And I love that you kind of created that Instagram as accountability to help pull yourself. You're like, I see that I'm doing something terrible and I see that this is not healthy, but I don't know how to fix it by myself. So I'm gonna grab as many people's hand as I can and we're gonna mm-hmm. we're gonna lean on each other, right? Until we can yes. stand on our own. And that's something I tell everybody, I'm like, dude, you don't realize how much, like how beneficial accountability can be and how beneficial a community can be until you have one. It's not like you're tearing people down. If you're struggling, it's you're allowing somebody to like, hold you up. Mm-hmm. Until you can stand on yourself. It's kind of like that trust exercise, right? Like if there's somebody behind you and you fall back. You're going to go a lot less further back than if there's nobody behind you. You're just going right. to fall all the way back and, and it's going to take a lot longer to get up. So I love exactly. that your brain's just like, yes. I'm going to get that community and I'm going to get that yes. accountability. And it's exactly. really hard. Exactly. So I know that, you know, you did that. So how was it, did you have like relapses? Did you have really hard times? Cause if it, it can be so disassociating sometimes when you're struggling with food, but you're getting outside validation, right? Like, Oh my gosh, you look so good. Or, Oh my yeah. God, you've like you've lost so weight or you look so beautiful. And it can almost be like, well, am I doing the right thing here? Or am I doing the right thing here? Trying to Refix my relationship food and I see the scale going up and it's triggering me and I'm scared and it's giving me anxiety, like that whole healing process.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for reference, I'm about five seven in college, uh weighed about 125 to 130. Right now I'm sitting at about 160. So and and you know, you hear, oh my God, I gained 35 pounds in the past, I guess, six years. Um, so so that was hard and that that was one of those things of like leaning, really leaning in and knew, knowing that what I was doing was not serving me. And it was truly like killing me on the inside that in order to get past it, like I knew I had to get uncomfortable. So one of the biggest things that um, cause I think, because I talk about this on Instagram, my clients tend to struggle with these things too, mm-hmm. which is great because it's, I mean, it's not great, but like, like recognizes blessing.
0: likes and it's, it yes. helps you lead
1: them for sure. Yes, exactly. Because if you don't struggle with this, you'll just be like, Oh, just quit eating kind of thing. Um, but one of the biggest mindset shifts that I've had with food and, you know, we can talk about like how to get through overeating, whichever way, but Looking at food with abundance rather than scarcity, because when we have that scarcity mindset around something, it comes with such a negative connotation of, oh, I can't have this or I can't have that. And just looking at all the things that you can't have and, you know, you think about something, the more that you can't have something, the more that you want it. Your brain right?
0: gets hyper-focused on it because you're telling it something in it. yeah.
1: Yes, exactly. So when I was able to switch to – because when I was struggling, it was, oh, I can't have ice cream. I can't have cereal. I can't have alcohol, like whatever it is. And then when I finally got it, it was like I need to eat it all at once. So now truly switching to this abundance mindset with food that – There's no foods off limits. I can have whatever food that I want and look at all this food that I can and am allowing myself to have because when I allow myself and when you allow yourself to have these things, a lot of times, you know, you may get to it and you may not even want it or that's when you're truly able to have a bowl of cereal and then be done, right? And not have like six or seven. So that's one of the biggest shifts that I've seen is not a scarcity mindset, but more of an abundance mindset with food. And just because you have an abundance mindset with food and you truly can have anything doesn't mean that you have to have those things daily because you start to see how you feel when you eat certain foods and you start to just develop this self-respect for yourself that I heard a quote on a podcast the other day and it said, not eating something is not a form of restriction. It's a form of self-respect because you know, it will not make you feel good.
0: Oh, I love that. When I
1: heard that, I was like, that's true. Like I can, I can have this ice cream or, you know, this whole dessert thing and I I can have it and move on from it and not beat myself up. But sometimes saying no is a form of self-respect because I know that I want to feel my most clear headed tomorrow and I want to feel not inflamed tomorrow. So it's actually you know, I'm going to pass on that because I want to, I respect myself in this moment kind of thing. So that was kind of a cool quote that I was like, that is a good way to put it.
0: That is an amazing quote. I call it worth it foods and not worth it foods. So like we all have foods that are worth it to us. And so before you eat something, like before you go out, so like say your family is wanting McDonald's for supper because it's easy, it's quick, the kids, whatever. I ask myself, is like, is this something that's worth it to me? Like, is it worth it to me to eat it knowing how I'm going to feel Mm-hmm. do I really enjoy this food or am I just going to eat it out of convenience? And if the answer is no, then why am I putting it in my body? Right. Mm-hmm. So it kind of like takes away the power from the food and like brings the power back. Like I am huge on, yeah. we need to regain the power and realize that we control the food. The food doesn't control us. And so I love that mindset of just like you saying no to a food is not meaning that you can't have it. It's meaning that you, you, realize that it's just not going to make you feel great. Or, you know, you, you have whatever the next day or something you have self-respect for yourself. And I love that because it takes away the power of the food and puts the food back in your hand, but you have to have the proper mindset for that too. You can say it, but then in your mind, if you're thinking, well, the scale is going to be up tomorrow or something, it can be kind of double-sided.
1: Right.
0: So how do you refrain from overeating so now you have this abundance mindset right which it sounds fantastic it sounds amazing but from somebody who had a binge eating disorder somebody who binge ate and restricted constantly how do you keep yourself now that you yes okay no foods off limits all of this stuff how do you keep yourself from that teetering that line of i'm enjoying this and i'm and i'm going to have it whatever Cause I can, and now I'm overeating it because I feel like there's a fine line there that somebody who's believing there's an abundance mindset can Mm -hmm. find themselves on the other side of that line without some self-reflection. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of it does come down to, again, that self-respect aspect of it. But I will say overeating a lot of times has nothing to do with the food. Truly. Um, every time that you binge or every time that you overeat, there is a trigger and there is something that is consistent in every single episode. So that's the goal that with clients I am working on. Can you give some
0: examples of that?
1: So, yeah. So, Um, and, and this is something, you know, when you overeat or maybe when you binge, it's really tough to look back on it because you just want to be like, okay, it didn't happen and, you know, get rid of it because there, there is some shame sometimes that i found that comes with it with me. Um, but you have to make yourself get uncomfortable and look back at the situation. So a few questions that I'll ask myself and have clients ask themselves is, you know, how, what was I? so what was I thinking? Who was I around? Where was I? What was I doing? And, you know, maybe like six hours before, two hours before, 30 minutes before. And like I said, there's something consistent in every single episode. So a lot of times, you know, maybe for me, it was that slight restriction in the morning of, I really wanted a bagel, but I decided to do rice cakes instead because they were lower calories that one slight restriction could have triggered my binge. So for me, it's super important to be aware throughout the day that I'm not subconsciously restricting. Now, there are certain times that if you have macronutrient goals or, you know, whatever, that like you may have to restrict some things. But I think it's your underlying motive behind the restriction. Yes. See,
0: so that's something I... you you know, I'm a walking contradiction. I just, I believe in, you know, like balance. I believe in sustainability, but I also believe that you can, challenge yourself and restrict for a period of time to prove something to yourself, whether it's you're wanting to go for a big fitness goal, or you're training for a big run, or you're wanting to do this challenge to see if you can get mentally tougher because I've done 75 hard a couple of times. Right. And people all the time ask me like, how can you believe in sustainability and abundance mindset or, you know, like lifestyle, but then also do something that's so restrictive. And I say, it's all about the motive behind it. If you're doing it to lose weight, it's going to be a very unhealthy thing. But if you're doing it to gain mental clarity, mental strength, you know, physical fitness, you're doing it to discover another layer of yourself. Like it's all about, and I love that you put that it's all about the motive behind the restriction and that we're not doing it frequently. Cause I feel like that also, like if you're trying to live life as a 75 hard, it's going to end very, very badly. for
1: you. (laughs) Right. So yeah, every, every time I would restrict, it was I can't eat this because I'm I'm fat or I need to lose weight. Right. So that was the, that was the motive behind that. Um, another example of a common trigger maybe could be you're around certain people. Um, if if I was around or I have some clients that struggle with this, you know, people that they work with are talking about diets that they're doing literally no nutritional literacy whatsoever. Like people are just pulling this out of their butt, like talking about the diets they're doing. They do it all the time. Yeah. Like that triggers that can trigger overeating. Um, or it could be the people you
0: surround yourself with somebody, like if you're surrounding yourself with people that are dropping weight, like, like whatever, and they're telling you all the restrictive things they're doing, it can make you feel like crap about yourself.
1: Yeah, um, it could be you know maybe a constant for a lot of people is the time of day or where are you. So maybe it's at night when you're alone in the kitchen. If that is a that's a trigger, right? Like your body doesn't even really have to think about overeating because you've done it for so long in that same place at the same time. It creates that, that habit loop happens. Yep. So that's the biggest thing is figuring out what that trigger is and then when you're able to become aware of the trigger awareness changes everything if you can become aware of it you can change it um but the biggest thing is creating that space between the thought and the action so when you want when you have the thought of wanting to overeat or wanting to binge what is something that you can do to create that space before acting on it Is it going to take a shower? Is it calling a friend? Is it going on a walk? Is it getting in your car and driving around, like listening to music? And then after you create that awareness, get present, do that thing. And you're still, if you're hungry, still honor, honor your body, eat one thing go to bed, whatever. Um, I say go to bed. Cause like it's typically in the evenings for a lot of people. I,
0: I will say that was like a big thing. Whenever I had a really, like I had a really hard 2020 where I was drinking heavily every mm. single night. And I realized my trigger was after the kids gone to bed, I mm. automatically went and got a bottle of wine. I automatically went and got snacks and it just was like, my way to decompress after the kids. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I was like trying to regain control of my life, I switched from staying up after the kids to getting up before the kids. So it's like, I switched my alone time and I didn't even realize at that time, what I was doing was take like kind of eliminating that whole time. So when the kids went to bed, I went to bed. So I got up in the morning because I knew that one promoted healthier habits than staying up late. And I loved, like, you just put it in lane's
1: terms of how to like break that habit loop. Yeah. That's one of the, that's one of the biggest things I think at the end of the day, awareness is everything. If you're able to say, Hey, I'm struggling with overeating. That's great that you can even say that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Next it's let's figure out what that trigger is and then continue becoming aware of the triggers. And then, you know, figuring out what actions can you take instead.
0: So I like that we're on this topic of overeating and binge eating, because I feel like it's something a lot of my people struggle with. And a lot of people in general struggle with, even if they don't realize it. I mean, heck, a lot of the health like people struggle with it when they're competing for a a bikini contest or something like that. And they're restricting, restricting, restricting. And then afterwards they find themselves binging. Mm -hmm. What do you, how do you find like, So you're you're through your bit like you're working on cutting out binging. You're working out cutting out overeating. You're doing great. Then you find yourself relapsing, Mm -hmm. and it's longer than a couple hours. It's a couple days, a week, and you think you are so far in the wrong direction, so off the deep end. How like what would your suggestion be on how to start getting like back on the right track to kind of U-turn through maybe some awareness tips of somebody that's not just right after the binge, but maybe after weeks of a binge.
1: Yeah. Um, cause it's so easy to get back in the habit of, you know, you feel terrible, you wake up the next day and it's so easy to let it pour into the next day. And it kind of snowballs something that I, I mean, I even had to remind myself of this last week because, you know, I mean, you just, you maybe eat too much popcorn or like whatever, and it's easy to slip back into it, but you just have to have improved yourself that you can have one day where you feel good. And so that's something I focus on for myself and for clients is that, okay, we're just going to win this day because once you show yourself again, that you can win the day and that you can feel good, then you're going to feel more confident and you're going to feel better. And if you're struggling with it for a few days or a few weeks, one step of action, Um, always tell clients that you build confidence through fulfilling the promises that you make to yourself, whether that is a list of 10 things that you said you were going to do, or maybe it's eating breakfast and drinking a gallon of water and going on a walk, like things as simple as that, right? So when you're kind of in those habits, just finding yourself and setting just three goals for yourself the next day of what are three things that I can do? Because when you're in that state of overeating or binging, you don't feel confident in yourself, like at all. You feel, I mean, I feel worthless truly sometimes, like when I would struggle with it. So focusing on two or three things that you can do the next day just to build confidence. And then you're going to go to bed that evening and just you know, reflect back and say, okay, hey, I did this, this, and this. And I feel proud of myself for this. Um, And then that confidence spills over into the next day. But something that, you know, action that I take is if I'm struggling or a client's struggling, I'll have them truly just keep me posted throughout their whole day. And if they struggle with overeating in the evening, I'll be like, okay, after dinner, I want you to drink your uh, ginger tea. I want you to brush your teeth and I want you to send me a picture of you like, brushing your teeth and being like, okay, Hey, I'm done eating. Nobody wants to
0: eat anything after they brush their
1: teeth. Yeah, literally. Exactly. So like having that accountability, um, is, is super important, I think inside of that, but again, yeah, just focusing on the small things to kind of cultivate that confidence again, um, and show yourself grace too.
0: Yeah. I mean, showing yourself grace is like the hardest thing sometimes, especially when you're in this mindset of just like self-loathing because it can be really easy after, at least for me, like after a binge, I look in the mirror or I look at pictures or, you know, maybe it's a few weeks that I've been traveling a lot and things have been going on and I haven't been as, and it's just like you get in this negative mindset where it's just like everything You look in the mirror, you just don't feel as great, You, whatever the case may be. And so it can be so hard to pull yourself out of that. And I think that's like what you were saying, where accountability and community comes in, whether it's an Instagram community or a one-on-one coach or Mm -hmm. fit friends or whatever the case may be. Like the best way to pull yourself out is by with others, like somebody holding your hand, trying to pull you out of the water. Because Mm -hmm. other than that, like I've tried by myself and yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And and it's 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 something like you just, you have to try to get a little bit better every day and every single week. And like you said, it's some, if it's something that you've struggled with for years, it's not going to go away in a week or a few months. I mean, that's just like with creating any new habit, but if you're able to look at yourself now and say, okay, Hey, you know, I, I don't full on binge anymore, but I do overeat, you know, maybe once a week, but six months ago, it was happening five times a week. Like that's a win, um, for it not to happen. Like all those little wins. Yeah. So that's, that's the biggest thing is that, you know, show yourself grace, but awareness is so huge. And when you're able to just sit with your emotions and figure out why the heck this is happening, because it's, it's so much deeper than food, right? Like, a bowl of cereal can only taste good so many times like before you're just mindlessly eating it
0: um so we've talked about you know preventing the binge we've talked about you know after it how about let's talk about overeating if somebody's trying to be proactive and and not overeating maybe they've been a chronic overeater i eat like faster than the speed of light like mm-hmm. i literally because I'm a mom, I know there's only like 0.03 seconds before my kids start losing their shit before I can like eat. So I eat really fast and it's really easy for somebody like me that eats fast to overeat. Do you have some preventative measures that you give your clients to help them try to be aware and not overeat? Is it a form of just like mindfulness or like what tips do you give somebody if they're a chronic overeater and they're trying to nix that habit?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. I think a lot of people struggle with that too. Um, the first thing, like I said, it comes back to that awareness and finding that trigger. Um, so for you, you know, that could be, you know, if I'm in a hurry to eat, then I'm more than likely to overeat kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, eating hygiene is so important. And that is something eating that hygiene. What in the same heck? <laughs> yeah, eating hygiene. Um it's something that you have to be intentional about daily. So a few things to kind of work on that. And again, it does come back to mindfulness. Um, But one of the biggest things with eating is people eat so fast. They don't chew their food and they're eating while they're distracted. Yes. See, I mean, same, like, you know, you're working and you want to eat and you just want to scroll See, on you mean, scroll
0: I shouldn't on. be eating while reading my Kindle or <laughs> scrolling TikTok. Is that what you're trying to tell right. me?
1: Yes. So, and, and it's not even like, you know, watching TV and eating is bad, but the, I think, you know, the thing that we're seeing in every conversation is the distracted eating takes you out of the present and keeps you from being mindful, which keeps you from chewing your food, which keeps your gut motility from being optimized. So our food, and this is something that you can practice today and that I have to think about every time, I mean literally, chew your food to applesauce consistency, which is crazy to think about. But like when we chew our food, I heard something and it was like, chew your smoothies and or chew your liquids and drink your solids or something like what? yeah like we should be chewing our food to applesauce consistency um one that helps us slow down our eating and help our stomach get full and it actually helps our body break down our food as well um and helps yeah, we're doing
0: most of the work for it
1: yeah, exactly um because when we, overeat not only is it like such a mental thing of not making us feel great um but it's also a huge physiological side of things too like our gut is going to be all over the place when we're overeating because when we're overeating a bag of cookies or popcorn or whatever it may be we're not chewing our food like we're just mindlessly stuffing it in our face and that's keeping our gut from being properly functioning too. So that's one of the biggest things And I think it all comes back to that mindfulness and comes back to that awareness and actually like being present and slowing down.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of the times, at least for me, I always like to remind myself that I can come back for seconds. So I'm like, yeah. I'm like, clean plate club. Like I don't stop until my plate's clean because my mama taught me that when I was young and it's just like ingrained in my brain that food costs too much and we ain't wasting it. So something that like really helped me is reminding myself, like, I can come back for seconds. Like, let me start with a smaller portion. And then because I am a chronic overeater and it's hard mentally for me to remember not to, especially in the moment, because I am very unaware. I like, I I make sure even after I eat, like wait 15 minutes and then I'll go get another thing or wait 10 minutes and then I'll go get more. If I'm still hungry, it's just, gosh, it's so freaking hard to just slow down, especially you know, with the world we live in, it's so fast paced and people only get 30 minute lunch breaks nowadays. It's just, it's so freaking hard to slow down and and take that time and enjoy your food, which I feel like that's why the French are so, you know, healthy and and thin is because they literally get like a two hour lunch break. I was watching Emily in Paris and I'm like, these bitches never work. Like they literally never work. They just sit there and eat their food and just talk and commute. I'm like, this is why, this is why they have healthier eating food.
1: Um, Um, even like what you just said about, you know, clean, clean plate club. I want to touch on two things you said is with feeling like you have to eat everything right there. That is a a scarcity mindset subconsciously because you're like, Oh my God, I'm never going to get it again. Or even though it's literally in your pantry. Um, and then, giving yourself that 15 minutes that is putting the, putting space between the thought and the action. So like, that's a good practice that you're doing, which is great.
0: Yeah. And, and that's something that really helped me because at, especially at like out to eat, I was terrible about just eating everything and they give you huge portions. And so something that I proactively did is whenever I get, when they bring me my food, I tell them to bring me a to go box also. And i put half of it in a to-go box. So it's like off my plate and then I'll eat what's on the plate. And then if I'm like dying of hunger, I'll eat it out of the to-go box. Some of it, if I need to, but usually if it's already in the to-go box. I don't go back in for it. And so that's something that I like, because I just suck at being aware (laughs) and trying to like eat slow. I've had to like take proactive steps on ensuring that I don't overeat like that. So I love those tips. So yeah, for somebody that's wanting to start their nutrition journey or start their health journey, but I feel like this will be a great place to end it. Will you give them like three to five like tips on where they should start, how they should start, um, and stuff like that. If they're really just going from like nothing right now, maybe they're binge eating or maybe they're overeating or they have a really unhealthy relationship with food, no fitness. Like how can they go from there to starting and like getting a little bit of momentum?
1: Yeah. That's yeah, healthily. That's a really good question. And I, I do want to preface this by saying there's always going to be something that we can improve. I mean, I've been doing this for healthily, maybe for like four or five years, maybe four years. And there's still goals that I'm constantly setting. Maybe I'm working on my sleep now or like all these different other areas. But once you hit one goal, There's always going to be another goal. So it's like you're constantly chasing something. So I think being aware of that and knowing that you don't have to have it all together right now, but I would say start super small and start with the things that you're not going to see that direct change and that direct impact day to day. Um, I think we live in a world where we constantly obviously want everything right here, right now. So the boring, non-sexy stuff is where your foundation and where your health is going to build. So one thing I like to say with clients is, again, you build confidence through doing what you say you're going to do. So you'll be surprised that even just with a few, two, three small goals that you set, how good and how proud of yourself you're going to feel, even if it's just getting sunlight in the morning, like whatever. Um, So start with Three small things. I would put them on a calendar. I would get a whiteboard calendar and, like, where it has a little notes at the top, put your three or four goals for the month. Um, Put each goal as a different color marker. So, blue, pink, green, whatever. And let's say your goals are you want to start with 20 minutes of movement every day because maybe 30 minutes is too much right now. So, 20 minutes of movement, um, one gallon of water and a protein shake every single morning. Super simple, right? So those three things. And then as you do them day to day, let's say the gallon of water is the blue marker. If you do it, you're gonna put a blue check on the date, on the calendar. And then you're gonna put a green check for the whichever other one it is. And then you're gonna put a red check for the other one. And then you kind of slowly see and you slowly start to see like over the course of a week and a month, that you're crushing these habits. And then maybe if you do those consistently for two weeks, maybe you add in one more habit and then you add a different color marker and like you check that off. But I would start with the smallest things and that's exactly how I start with clients. I'm like, the first week, the first two weeks, you're gonna look at me and say, this is all that we're doing? And I'm saying, yeah, but you'll, you'll be surprised at how much more proud and how much confidence is cultivated inside of just, having a protein shake every morning and, and then build off let's that.
0: preface this to say it will feel very uncomfortable because our brain is literally tr- like our brain is like triggered to say, Oh, I'm trying to focus on my healthy habits. Now I need to do it all at once.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's
0: something I tell my clients all the time. Cause I take that same approach, the slow and steady approach, habit stacking. I'm like, it's going to feel very uncomfortable. You're going to feel like you want to start changing your nutrition and changing this and, and modifying this and all of these things. Like, don't do that. Literally just eat the exact same way you're eating. Literally just do those things except for those three things that you chose. And it's going to feel uncomfortable, but you're going to realize that it gives you more brain power to focus on those, those things that you're wanting to focus on and you're not having to focus those other places. So I love that. Yes. Was there Any other exactly. tips that you would give the beginner in their nutrition journey?
1: Honestly, I would, I mean, you hear all the time, but like start small um, and celebrate the small wins. And again, I think follow reputable people that know what they're talking about and that are educated and that you see are continuing to educate themselves and unfollow or mute people that maybe trigger unhealthy habits or that make you feel like you're not doing enough.
0: Mm, Yes. No, but we do. We don't realize the power that social media has on us. If somebody you're going to their page and they're making you feel like a failure, you don't need to go to their page. Like if you're going to the page and they're trying to shove the latest, like, like trim coffee down your throat, you Mm -hmm. don't need to be at their page. Like y'all at the end of the day, nutrition is simple. It's not easy, but it's, it's simple. And I think that's something we always forget. Like just because it's simple doesn't mean it's easy. Like we all know what we need to do. Like I always tell my people, I'm like you know what you need to do. You mm-hmm. know you need to be eating less of the bullshit and more of the nutrition foods. Like you know this. Yeah. I don't need to tell you this, but let's unpack why you're struggling on connecting it in your head. Because I feel like nutrition is like 10% what you eat and 90% how you think about what you eat. Like yep. if you f- if you fix what's in here, it's going to fix everything else.
1: Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, the last point to wrap up is eat God made food, not man-made food. Simple.
0: If God made it, stop stressing it. Like y'all ain't nobody got a shit relationship with food because they ate an entire banana. Like I just please, for God's sake, just please. Yeah, that is it. (laughs) Just just please. Mic drop. (laughs) I feel like that's where we need to end it. Um, Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this week. Please, please let them know where they can find you and potentially work with you if they're interested in that.
1: Yeah. My, um, and you can link it in the description too, but my Instagram is Reagan in Davis one. And I am currently taking a few clients right now. So we can always connect via Instagram and Yeah. Hopefully you find some goodies on there.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast this week. Uh, It was amazing. I'm just, I love being able to talk with people whose passions are different than me. Cause like nutrition is not a huge passion of mine. Fitness is more mine. So it's like nice to be able to talk to people that have different passions and get just knowledge and stuff like that. So anyways, thank you so much y'all. Thank you for listening in this week and we will catch you next time. See ya.